Hi, it's Jacqueline Kitzman, and it's Gabe Kitzman. Um, how are you? I'm okay. Great. Okay, we'll just get right into it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to like small talk when it's your husband and you've done literally everything. Yeah. What together. have you been doing for the past? Well, I'll tell you since you've asked. You just broke the mic. That's fine. So, what I have been doing and woke the baby. Shush. You shush. What I have been doing is I have been playing Cult of the Lamb on our Nintendo Switch. Gabe literally verbatim said, please don't mention your Lamb Chop Cult game on the podcast, but I'm going to do it. It's so funny. It's like if Satanism met Animal Crossing. Yes, it's adorable. It's adorable. It's so fun. I feel I've, I've never felt simultaneously so hated by other beings and loved at the same time. They're little cutesy woodland characters, and then sometimes you sacrifice them and they turn into meat, and then you feed them to your followers. And then they all smile on their cartoon faces, and little hearts come out, and you're like very confused on the inside. You can marry as many of your followers as you want, except according to my Switch, as it said, every time you do, they get increasingly more (laughs) jealous of each other. You know, it's it's funny that we're talking about uh, a make believe cult with the with the tone of our podcast. Do today. you think I don't know how to make a decent tie-in to the topic of what I've been doing with my life for the last forty-eight hours? No, I know you did. I just said to jump on it before you did. Great. So, um, speaking of that, I had somebody in my um, inbox way before I ended up in the ER, before Gabe went out of town, before I already had some episodes lined up. Um, to talk about the Thoth deck by Aleister Crowley. I personally don't use that deck. I do know enough about Aleister Crowley to say, number one, he's not a super great, gradio human. He's a controversial character. He he is a (laughs) controversial character. He created, he did create like a a system of belief that's very based in like hedonism, very based in like We'll get pleasure into that. and all of that, but where we want to actually start the podcast before we dive into that is let let us open the social studies portion of this podcast. Let's start with the fact that what with what's been going on. Okay, let's start with Ukraine. There's a huge war in Ukraine. Things are escalating there. Putin is has decided to draft. He's saying three hundred thousand Russians, and in reality, it's probably going to be closer to a million plus people being drafted into this war against their will. Um, I heard stories about um, people trying to get out of it by um, injuring themselves. Breaking their arms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as well as people have been trying to flee Russia, but uh, Russia is closing down their own borders and other countries around ha- are, are not letting people from Russia over um, because they've taken in refugees from Ukraine and they're encouraging Russians to revolt against their government you know, incredibly sad for the people who are who desperately just want to be somewhere safe. Um, and uh, and, you know, and none of that takes away from the absolute horrors that have been happening in Ukraine itself, especially now that Putin is uh, amping up his threats of using nuclear weapons, um, which would essentially then bring in NATO, which is how the U.S. would then get involved, really involved in the uh, war. Russia's war. Yeah. So keeping your eyes on that is going to be a big deal. Um, the next thing that we had to talk about is what's happening in Iran. 22-year-old woman, Masa Amini, 
uh, was arrested by the morality police in Iran for wearing her hijab wrong. Uh, she was put in jail, they said, and then she died. And the morality police, the government, said that she died of a heart attack. Uh, but the medical examiner and what became very clear is that she was severely beaten and put in a coma and died. Because of this very brutal attack of Masa, thousands upon thousands of women in Iran have been revolting. And not just women, men too, but specifically women have been cutting their hair, uh, protesting in the streets, beating back police, in fact, running police out of some towns within Iran. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning this is um, not the first time that this has happened. I believe this, I don't exactly remember when, but this is the second time that there's been a revolt of exactly this nature. Yes, this has been, um, hopefully they can keep the momentum up with this. And the way that we can do that is by listening, amplifying their stories. Um, But Masa Amini is not the only person or woman who was killed. Um, Women are being killed in the streets for simply cutting their hair, refusing to wear their hijab. I am not of the faith. I'm not Islamic. In regards to the the women who choose to wear hijabs, they are saying that it's a choice and it should be a choice. And the point of wearing it is that it is a choice and that in in the faith that it's important for people to be able to make those choices. People are being brutally murdered and shot in Iran for the choice not to wear not to wear their hijabs is a absolute tragedy and a travesty. And again, the best way we can help is by amplifying voices, keeping the attention there and making sure that people don't forget this. Again, humans are easily adaptable. All of this happening in Iran is still happening in Iran, but already we're not thinking about it as much. And it was literally just like the last week and a half that this has been happening. So I would really encourage people to keep their eyes on so that the people of Iran can continue to take back their cities, their towns, and keep 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 the women in their lives as safe as possible. And the last thing that we wanted to bring up is Hurricane Ian. Hurricane Ian hit and devastated Cuba and then came and hit the coast of Florida as a Category 4 hurricane. Um, My parents do live in the Clearwater area. They were completely fine, though. That's where the hurricane was said to have hit first. And then it ended up not hitting there at all. But it did viciously hit Fort Myers and Cape Coral and and the areas of southwest Florida. complete islands underwater, people who cannot get off of their islands to get to mainland or nor can they get to their homes. So we want to keep that in mind. So if you can bring and have the ability to bring food to shelters in Florida, see what your communities are doing for those who are unhoused. That's going to be a really huge help right now because it's not just people who didn't who were unhoused before the hurricane. We're looking at a lot of people who have lost their homes, their lives, their possessions. I'm very thankful that my my parents were safe and my family in Florida were safe. It could have so easily have been the opposite way. So I feel very passionate about making sure that we're all aware of the fact that this was a brutal, brutal storm. All right. Um, All of that being said, if you're feeling heavy or you're feeling weird, like there's a lot happening in the world right now. And on a collective scale, we're feeling that if you're if you've been feeling chaotic or, or frazzled or anxious, like a lot of that, the collective energy does have an influence in that. So it's always important as humans. I've said this again. I've said this time and time again. But as humans, we can get like information fatigue or news fatigue. But we really can't. We have to keep our eye on that or, because these things matter. They matter. Iran matters. Ukraine matters. What's happening in Russia matters. And what has happened in Southwest Florida and for all those who were victimized by Hurricane Ian, they matter as well. 
Yes. <laughs> Gabe, yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> now let's move into talking about... Um, this is kind of a huge episode because we're going to talk about the the two decks here. Then we have a nightmare we're going to read. Then we're going to do the collective reading. And then Gabe and I are going to go play our cult game. Right, babe? Exactly. Exactly. So let's dive into the deck. <laughs> Gabe, you actually use the Thoth deck um, or ha- bought it to to research because you are like kind of a badass at astrology and thought that the Thoth deck would be interesting to study in regards to tarot, you know, the Venn diagram of which those two categories meet. Um, That is... Inaccurate? Um, No, not totally. Um, Actually, I got the, the Thoth, Thoth deck. Both pronunciations are appropriate as far as I know and as far as I have researched. Um, it's actually I, pronounced T-Hoth. Yes. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I got the deck before I dove into astrology at all. I'm very new to astrology. I've um, been He's going being humble. I, I've only, I mean, I, when I count the years, I, I think I might be at one. But I've just, I dove in pretty hard. But the Thoth deck was um, very instrumental in actually starting that because I did not understand. It actually helped me understand tarot to compare them. And there are more. There are other decks that. Um, tie to uh, create the Venn diagram, as you said, between tarot and astrology. The Thoth deck is not the only one. The Thoth deck. Um, yes. Um, so I guess I I prepared some some notes and some. You research wrote a here. paper. Yes, I wrote a research paper because I like to know what I want to say. The other one of us over here just flies off of the skin of her pants, and I'm not an improv person. Skin of my so. teeth or the skin of my pants. I fly off nudity. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have been known to sit and play your Nintendo Switch. <laughs> play my Nintendo Switch how? Nude. Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> Why did you make that sound so dirty? I don't know. I was literally just doing a face mask and a towel. It wasn't that gross. <laughs> anyway, we'll see what actually makes it into this episode. I already have so much editing to do. Um... <laughs> So um, I prepared a little research for you because the Thoth deck, I believe, in summary, needs to be used responsibly. Um, But prior to buying the Thoth deck, I did know about Aleister Crowley and had heard numerous podcasts, had um, read some things and knew that he was a controversial figure, but was still, I was curious. Actually, what drew me to it was that it tied in alchemy. Um, And I was kind of looking into spiritual alchemy at the time and 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 how that worked and i read something that this deck kind of illuminated that a gabe little bit was, more i came to find out that gabe it's a was lot turning more our that, aluminum but... foil into gold rumpelstiltskin <laughs> <laughs> my god anyway so i'll um tell you what i've got here the thoth deck is an esoteric tarot deck painted by lady frida harris according lady to according to and in collaboration with alistair crowley it is meant to be paired with a book written by Aleister Crowley called The Book of Thoth, Tee-hoff. and together are meant to be Aleister's version of a tarot update. It took five years to create and finished in 1943. I want to just poke my way in here before Gabe goes on for a second to kind of just... Aleister Crowley essentially like <laughs> appropriated the ancient Egyptian. I I have a whole spiel on him. Oh, you do? So just take... Okay, you, you drive this bus. <laughs> yes. You drive this bus. <laughs> Yes, we're going to learn about Aleister Crowley, and um, so 
Yeah, take notes on the Thoth deck if you're interested in it, but um, we're going to talk about Alistair because it's very relevant, because you need to know who he is to know the context of, of what you're what you're looking at with this deck, I, I think. So into who is, who is Thoth? Who is Thoth? How do you say it? All those things. Thoth was the ancient Egyptian god of wisdom, writing, hieroglyphics, science, magic, art, and judgment. His Greek equivalent is Hermes, the Roman Mercury. The mythic book of Thoth is where the Egyptian god wrote everything down, used it to advise and keep records for the entire Egyptian pantheon, and it contained too much knowledge for humans to behold or comprehend. It was supposedly hidden at the bottom of the Nile. Can you imagine knowing that that's true and then say, and then saying to yourself, I should create an entire deck? With... That is very, that is very Crowley is the what it is. The audacity. <laughs> so... Um, and it's guarded by a serpent. So the book's at the bottom of the Nile, and it's guarded by a serpent. That so would effectively keep me out of it. Yeah, so um, so the deck and corresponding book written by a Crowley are basically supposed to nod in this direction. Um, after we get to know him a bit, it's safe to assume he believes his work to be of equivalent value. Uh, so I've written. I mean, it's fine. Don't take it from me. I just, he rubs me the wrong way. She she she's made up her mind. Let's talk about the differences in the Thoth deck. <laughs> okay. So, um, it's important to note that Mr. Crowley took some liberties here. Um, firstly, there are no kings in any of the minor arcana. The kings are referred to as knights. The queen is still the queen and in the same position. Long live. Miss. Um <laughs> The knights have turned into princes, and there are also no pages. The pages are called princess. Now, this is a common this is a common switch up that does happen the um, between mm. between other decks. So this isn't just the Thoth deck. This is quite common in in many different variations of tarot decks for them to have this kind of pages are princess, knights are prince, queen. Do you is know queen. which came first? No, I, I, I believe that there are different versions of the tarot deck. Some of them came around at the same time, and I believe that the Marseille, Marseille, Marseille deck, Marseille, I don't speak French, deck did this, uh, did the prince, princess, queen, and knight type thing, but I would have to Google that mm-hmm. because that history could be absolutely wrong. Be interesting to know. Let us know if you find anything out. Right, I'll Google that while you're speaking. <laughs> and so the other liberties that were taken were in... The Major Arcana, and so I'll list those out as well. Um, The Magician, card one, is referred to as the Magus or Magus. High Priestess is referred to as just the Priestess. Strength has changed to Lust. Wheel of Fortune is changed just to Fortune. Justice has changed to Adjustment. Temperance has changed to Art. Judgment to the Eon, and the world has changed to the universe. Yes. So essentially, Alistair Crowley made his deck. It when if you were like gonna like weigh what deck is more esoteric feeling than the other, Alistair Crowley like really hit people over the head with trying to trying to be a more esoteric, ethereal. Mm-hmm. using that type of language. Um, but Aleister Crowley, the tarot wasn't the only thing that this human bastardized. He took religions and pantheons and 
other ideals and twisted them, rewrote them, and used them to form his own form of practice. And yes, I have a I have a little bit on Thalema here, yeah. um, which is the religion that he um, designed and and founded. It ties into another book he wrote, but um, this deck, this tarot deck, ties into the Book of Thoth and um, our. Can, can be used in, in conjunction. So um, let's get to Aleister Crowley, the, the juice here. Before we do that, I just want to mention that the first tarot deck was not the Marseille. It was the Visconti deck, and it was Italian. And it was used to play a game called Terracini, which, when I'm looking at the rules, seems to be not identical, but similar to Pinochle. Mm. And they used the same... Um, no, I'm just telling you what the earliest deck is. I would oh, have to really dive in. Maybe one day I will. Maybe a future episode will be just like the history of tarot in general and then the different styles of decks like the Visconti mm-hmm. or the Marseille or the Smith Rider Waite. We'd really like to know if, if this is if this is interesting to you guys and if you and this could. It is interesting to at least one person out there because they requested it. <laughs> yes. But, this um, is a for you. I, I would be happy Singular to research. Human. I'd be happy to research more decks. So, um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I know I think a, a tarot, a history of the tarot would be a really good one sure, going forward. Sure. So I'll save that information for that episode when I do it in the near future. Yeah. Well, let's get into let's get into Crowley here. Um, first, let's not get into him, but let's learn about him. <laughs> Gross. Um, <laughs> he was born. He was born October twelfth, eighteen seventy five. His father was a wealthy Protestant, and his mother called him a beast as a child because he was reported to have been terrible. <laughs> You imagine. <laughs> and this is, and, and part, some of this information is from his autobiography. So I'm um, just so you know, um, as a parent, I have trouble not seeing some parental responsibility here. He ultimately viewed his parents separately. His father as an aristocrat and his mother as common and lowly. What a bitch. <laughs> when he was eight, he began to notice contradictions in the Bible and started to form his nonconformist stance on organized religion. And then he created one. Would you just quit jumping the gun? Um, he observed the hypocrisy of the sin in the world, predominantly in his mother's family. Um, I didn't write this here, but there's um, I, I read that his mother had several siblings who were in trouble with the law, um, who he was exposed to. Um, but this made him think maybe they weren't all correct about sin. Um, this seed, for those who don't know about Mr. Crowley, would take hold and grow into contra- the controversial and yet famous occultist, magician, novelist, founder of the religion known as the Lama, and self-proclaimed prophet responsible for guiding humanity into the eon of Horus. He believed he was Horus. No. No? No. No, he didn't. <clears throat> oh, shit. No. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> I will. But let's get into Thelema first and what it is and why it is. Um, Thelema is a ritualistic appropriation of Egyptian deities and archetypes formed by a Crowley in the early 1900s, largely based on a book called The Book of Law written by Crowley. Can you imagine being a white man and thinking to yourself, yeah, I know Egypt better. I know know Egyptian mythology better. Well, it's it's because (laughs) he had an experience that apparently because he was a beastly child that's probably it um so he wrote this book called the book of law um which (laughs) tells you how to do thelema and in the book it says this is important uh it encourages readers to interpret as they believe by finding their own quote-unquote true will as the book says do what thou wilt throwing a t on the end of will 
to make it sound to make it sound smart to make it rhyme with it's alliterative of what it's 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 like a poetry thing i mean the I alliter- it, but i just think it's funny that he did that well if you're not going to let me talk about the semantics and <laughs> rules of poetry then why are we doing this podcast <laughs> so uh, personally for me it, it sounds like complete pandemonium um kind of an excuse to do whatever you want which doesn't have to be good by any standards of this religion um and part of the contradiction which you see in the thoth deck comes in the way he incorporates the kabbalah and spiritual alchemy among other things um which are very much their own things based on transformation learning and growing and ascending etc and so uh, I, i get his issues with christianity but like a bully, he took all of that negativity and felt that it was important to impress it on everyone else. Else, then his god complex took over, and the rest is history. And so that is all I got in Thelema. Um, look into it if you like. Tread carefully. It, I know of people that that read on Thelema or follow Thelema, and um, I mean there is a lot of wariness that comes with I think any kind of <laughs> religion made by incredibly misogynistic racist straight white people which (laughs) ironically includes christianity i think there's inherently you know problems with (laughs) problems inherent in the system come see the violence inherent in the system come see the violence inherent in the system i don't know this reference it's monty python and the holy grail why didn't i guess that um yeah no i the idea behind the lama just kind of like it's just kind of blasting organized religion, and that's really all it is. It's the opposition in doing so. The he man just, just made a mess, the, I think, and so he, he just wanted giant orgies. That's that was the end goal here. I mean, that's that's true. big giant orgies. <clears throat> um, not here to knock people. Just here to um express my own opinions about um this specific religion and why it's there. Um, moving on later in life. In 1898, he joined the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, look that up if you haven't heard of it, where he learned ceremonial magic and shortly after learned about Buddhism and Hinduism in India. And then he stole them too. Traveled around. He had a lot of money, a lot of family money, um, so very privileged. Um, Then after his marriage to Rose Edith Kelly, they honeymooned in Cairo, where he claimed to have been contacted by a supernatural entity and been given, quote-unquote, given, the Book of Law, and announced the start of the Eon of Horus. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I have been given ten commandments. Yes, so he's... This is literally what I do on my Switch cult game. So he's, he's very much... He's, you, see, you see what he's claiming here. Um, so, moving on. Uh, around the same time, an obsession started around the number 666 because he deciphered it off of an ancient Egyptian artifact in a museum called the Stell of Revealing. From the biblical point of view, it is the number of the beast. Which but, he was as an early child. Yeah, the beast, yes. Um, but from his perspective, it is illuminating his role as a, a prophet. So it seems his, nick- his mother's nickname from childhood has some staying power. Boom! Same joke! High five! Thanks for saying it before I do. I'm sorry, I'm funnier. <laughs> Quicker. <laughs> Jesus. Um... As the First World War came around, he campaigned for the German war effort against the British. A literal Nazi! Hang on. Later, <laughs> later revealing he had been relaying information to British intelligence. 
the whole time. So he was a spy. Well, now he's a great dude. He was. God bless him. Horace in, bless him. An interesting factoid. True or not. Leave it up to you. There is some debate. Sounds like something. <laughs> sounds a, convenient. It sounds like somebody, something, somebody who had helped the Nazis and didn't want to get thrown in a. Who knows? Um, he dabbled in a few more esoteric orders, all the while living and practicing magic and life in his own provocative way. He was often described as self-indulgent, intelligent, arrogant, wealthy, and cruel. And a beast. Often alienating those who loved him and was physically and emotionally abusive to friends and partners. Sex and drugs played a big role in his practices. I'll let the listener do their own research here, but just warning that some of it is less than savory. There is a TV um, There is a TV show on Amazon Prime based off of the podcast lore. It's also called Lore. They do an episode on Aleister Crowley. That's in Thelema. Um, that's pretty fucking crazy hmm. in regards to this, which is pretty informational. I would recommend yeah. watching that. I'm very much summarizing here, um, but still... Um, crazy dude. Have a few. Have a little bit more here. He was also misunderstood as a Satanist, which was not good at the time. Now they are more widely known as peaceful peeps. This was mostly probably because he claimed no affiliation to Christianity at the time. Um, on numerous occasions, occasions described himself as the Beast Six Six Six. Since childhood, baby. <laughs> claimed encounters with a deity that he compared to the devil mocked all organized religions, and compared Thelema, a religion that seemed to be a bit organized despite his mocking, to the Nazi movement in that their goals were similar in that they both sought to, quote-unquote, annihilate old religious traditions. Again... Wait, I, he compared it to, to the Nazi movement? And this then he, man And is, then he thought to himself, I'm going to lie to them and tell them that I was actually working for the British and he thought we were all just going to believe that? This man is the definition of contradiction. Just in, the, just in the confusion alone that he caused. Last bit here, there is, of course, a lot more on Mr. Crowley. Feel free to read up. He is a controversial figure, and I think it's important to know who you're dealing with when you're reading his work or work inspired by his perspective before you unwittingly subscribe by diving into his decks or books. I'm a believer that no books should be banned. Knowledge is power, so read books and cards responsibly. I do think it's important. This is a deck that's widely sold, and um, a lot of people own this deck. Obviously, we have it in our house. Um, a lot of people don't, if they didn't, if they just bought the deck because they love ancient Egypt or they love that pantheon and they bought this deck and they were like, whoa, what the fuck? And they didn't do a lot of research into Aleister Crowley. You don't really know maybe potentially what energy you're working with or who inspired this deck. Um, do I personally, I want to, I want to say this. Do I personally use this deck? No. I do not personally use this deck. Um, would you? Would I? To be quite honest, no. I would not. Because I don't believe in the creator of this deck, and I don't typically just myself try to use things made by people that have a lot of really problematic origins. I don't, I feel the benefit in learning about it. I feel the benefit in knowing about it. That's why we're doing this episode. If I thought it was problematic to have the information altogether, we wouldn't, I would have just said, no, let's not do this. I think it's important and I think it's historical. Um, I don't think that for me in good conscience, I, knowing what I know about Aleister Crowley himself, his actions, what he believed in and just his entire controversial who he was, take something that he directly created 
and then feel good about using it for me. I'm speaking for me. I don't feel like I would get accurate readings from that. Just just my stance on the whole situation because I I I quote unquote use the deck mostly for informational purposes. I do try and read with it sometimes um for to try and understand things through astrological archetypes because I understand them so much better than tarot. But I I am a type of person that tends to lean into the things that I am afraid of, um, in a way. And not that I'm afraid of Proly, but I am I, I am afraid of who he th- thinks he is and why he, you know, I, I'm just most of it is is fear, but it is it is curiosity. And so you got to have you got to fear the audacious white men. Yeah. And, you know, I just really I was just kind of drawn to it. And I have learned but, from but, the deck to. But he makes it easy to be drawn to it, too. Right. Like he takes a bunch of pantheons and a bunch of belief systems that are intriguing to people like mm. there's very little more intriguing and fascinating than ancient Egypt, the practices, the history there. You know, the same is said of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Same could be said of the, you know, I don't care as much about him stealing from Christianity, but like same could be said of that. No, he wouldn't. He'd be opposed. And so you can just feel his his charisma, his intelligence, and his eh. audacity, and all of those things. Yeah. Alistair Crowley, controversial figure, controversial thoughts, very similar. And at the same time period, other people with other controversial thoughts were rising to power. And if nothing else, you know, he was mm-hmm. he was attempting to gain influence and power in the way that audacious, <laughs> audacious racist, misogynistic white... <laughs> males sure. tend to do if one was looking for um a not so clear but um a way to tie in a lot of and sort of group together a lot of different perspectives like like alchemy like the kabbalah and like astrology and tarot and look at it all on one card it can be informative um and that's mostly what i've been able to gather from this deck other than that um i i read with the writer weight primarily because that's the only way that that's the best way I can understand. I can't understand a lot that comes out of this deck. Um, So mostly I've just taken notes on it and looked at the pictures. Yeah. I mean, the, the imagery is, I mean, the imagery is very esoteric. Obviously it's very beautifully drawn or it wouldn't have the popularity that it has. I will say that reading with it, especially as a beginner in regards to tarot would probably be very very difficult. So if you are a beginner with tarot, I would this would not be a deck I would recommend. I would agree to new and readers as well as being a beginner in in any of those practices. It's it's and I mean very much when I got the deck, I was a beginner in a lot of these things, and I would recommend I would recommend like you can look at it and reading with it is going to be hard unless you understand all of those all of those things at once, which is also very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, what Gabe and I both recommend is before using this deck is researching Aleister Crowley, researching Thelema, researching what went into this deck and making a decision for yourself based on, you know, wh- what you're trying to learn or what you're trying to learn about. <clears throat> Though I do think it's important, especially because of the popularity of it. And you could probably find it at, at almost any new age store or crystal store. I do think it's important to have that historical context. Thank you, Gabrielle. For literally researching the fuck out of this. Uh, yeah. It was one of those that I already kind of had the, the foundation for, so. Yeah, well, and you had been researching and listening. 
I mean, I mean, that's the thing about you is before you dive into anything, like you have already like done a whole bunch of research into it. Mm, yes, yes that's, that's true. Yes, yes. So um, a lot of you probably think it's time for the uh, collective reading. It's not, though, because we have a nightmare. This is a big, giant, supreme bonus episode to apologize for the fact we didn't get one out this last week because somebody decided they were going to go out of town. Hang in there, people. I'm back. We're cruising. You owe them so much. Just gave them a Crowley on a on a platter. I'm sure we're all so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat that. Don't eat that. <laughs> Don't eat that. Okay, so <clears throat> the nightmare for this week is sent to us by Becky. Um I know it said I could read your name, but I don't know about your last name. So I'm just going to say Becky. Becky, thank you so much for sending in your nightmare. I am going to go ahead and just say a little trigger warning because this nightmare was truly nightmare So, um, you know, trigger warning for baby stuff, gory stuff, yucky stuff, scary stuff. If you don't want to listen to that, uh, fast forward approximately five to ten minutes. And we will probably be on to the collective reading. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and read Becky's email here. Hi, Jacqueline. My name is Becky. I truly enjoy your podcast so much, and it has really helped me begin my own journey with tarot. If I am still interested in, if you are still interested in receiving dreams and nightmares for October, I have one you can share. I am interested. Always, please send them to me. I had this one about a month ago, but I feel it may require a trigger warning for some. The dream is as follows. I was at home, a home I've never seen before and was supposedly home with a baby, but wasn't in the same room as them. We were on the house's second floor. For some reason, I got this feeling that someone trapped the baby in a closet, and I needed to save it and get it out of the closet. I opened the door and let the baby out, and they looked so sad like they were forgotten. I was unsure how long they were in there. The baby then talked to me and said, I'm okay, (laughs) but I need to go to the bathroom. I thought this was weird because they were wearing a diaper and they were a baby. (laughs) (laughs) literally it's literally a rug rat so they turn away from me to go to the bathroom but then step towards the banister near the staircase and falls from the second floor to the hardwood floor below on the first floor i scream and try to reach for them and see their face screaming and crying as they fall and hit the floor i knew there was no way they could survive next thing i knew i was kneeling by the baby checking the extent of the injuries and confirmed what i thought Next, I apparently did nothing to help the child and went to bed. (laughs) Oh, my God. I woke up in my dream crying so hard, um, thinking what happened, thinking about what happened to this baby um, was a dream that I could feel in my eyes were soaked with tears even before opening them. I left my room and went down the stairs to the kitchen, which was next to the scene of the incident to tell my mom who was working in the kitchen that the baby was dead. She was confused and concerned, to which I said, Yes, they're dead and right over there and point to the dead baby surrounded by blood in the next room over, perfectly visible from the kitchen. Apparently, no one else saw the baby until I pointed it out. The end. Feel free to use my name if you want to share this. And I'm curious to hear what reading what a reading would deduce. Thank you so much for all you do with the podcast. It means a lot. Also, sorry for any typos slash confusing wording. There was no typos. There were no typers, typers, and there were no confusing wording. There were down there tappers in that in that dirt. There were none there tappers. Um, wow, it is intense. It is late. I could not. This is what happens when you procreate as someone near your thirties. You like it hits nine forty p.m. and you're slurring your words like you had four drinks. I'm drinking tea. Drinking a 
uh, an angry orchard. No, I had that a while. I people. had that at oh. the beginning of the episode. It's gone. <laughs> that would make some sense. To me. That, that, that all tracks. And there, that was. I'm going to pull some cards. Ah, we're going to pull some cards. All right, Becky, I'm pulling some cards for your incredibly. That dream would have had me like. Oh my god, I would have woke... had me awake is it, what would happen. Yeah, would have She'd have woke up and then she'd have woke me up and then we'd have been awake all night. Watching Star Wars on our VCR. That is the payment I require <laughs> for <people> being awake. <laughs> um Poland, Poland, Poland. Okay. So I'm pulling three cards. Ooh. Jumper. No, look at this major arcana energy. Damn. Look at that. Uh, Becky, I pulled the lovers, temperance, and justice Ooh. for this. And what's really interesting, can you tell me, Gabe, when you're looking at lovers and temperance, what's the really glaring similarity here? Well, they are angels. Everybody's got wings and halos. Yes. Um. Okay, so let's start by breaking down kind of like lovers as it's card six in the lifeline both temperance and justice come from the death line uh you we do have big like angelic energy happening here the angel and the lovers their hair is on fire in temperance they have a halo around their head and then you've got justice which is a person like a king sitting on a throne a sword completely upright balanced in one hand scales in the other hand one of the things that I like to talk about when I talk about justice in general is kind of this phrase. And I think that this directly relates into the dream. Gabe, you can concur or disconcur with me. That's not a word. I made it up. Um, which is we all deserve to die. Not because we're bad or awful or sinful or whatever else, but because we were born. Because we live. Because we live. We deserve to die. We deserve. We deserved our birth and we deserve to die just because we are living humans walking around right now. Your dream obviously has really heavy themes of death, of new death, of new life, a baby, which is a small, small human, which was born something that I think this is the lovers here, something that you're intrinsically supposed to love and care about and take care of. Um, in temperance, this is some sort of hindsight. I think sometimes when we have, when we dream about taking care of something, especially when it's so small. And then the thing that happens and, you know, the ending of the dream is that that thing dies. It can speak to an internal fear of something we're not internally taking care of, something we're not seeing for what it is. But I think it's really interesting that we've got temperance here because we know that death doesn't end. The death line doesn't end in death. Death doesn't end in death. It ends in rebirth. It ends in temperance. I think that this speaks to some sort of internal struggle, maybe some sort of difficult, potentially childhood. Um, definitely a situation where you you are somebody or there was a feeling of not being taken care of or loved or cherished in the way that you needed to be. And then kind of the result of that was feeling like you were being left to fall in a very vulnerable state. There is nothing on this earth more vulnerable than a small child, um, than a baby. And when that child falls to have to have a baby to have a child like that fall and then nobody notice it um it can speak a lot to that kind of internal struggle i think in ourselves when things like that happen and it can speak to justice and i think that justice here is also talking about 
at some point or your internal or your subconscious is asking to be seen, asking to be noticed, something happened and you want that to be validated. You want that validation of, hey, this happened to me and I just need someone to hear it. Sometimes I do that with Gabe. I'm not saying that like you had a hard child. I had a hard childhood. And there are times that I have moments or dreams or situations where all I need to do is tell Gabe like, hey, let me tell you this. Let me tell you about this terrible thing that happened in my childhood. Not just just so that somebody can know it other than me. And I think that this dream here and especially the cards that you've got, it's very major arcana very overreaching kind of like source-like energy of bringing up a situation where you or you know of somebody very close to you that was in an incredibly vulnerable position that wasn't loved, validated, or taken care of in the way they deserved. And so like potentially the thought beyond that was I deserve, I deserved to fall. I deserved to get hurt in that way when really the case is that you didn't deserve that at all or that person didn't deserve it. What they deserved was to be taken care of, to be taken to the bathroom, to be to be snuggled and coddled and and loved on rather than forgotten. So I would say that even if it's something that you don't totally know, it may be some residual feelings of needing to have like or feel validated in that way. So, Gabe? Yeah, I my first initial thoughts were maybe blanket words, um neglect like mm-hmm. needs needs of yours or needs of somebody else's not being met. Um, and, you know, I, you know, the, the idea of, the idea of miscarriage came up, just getting very deep into those, you know, either it, it it could be pointing to if they're your needs or somebody else's needs. Um, I think there's, it sounds, it seems like there's some fear of them not being met, um, simply put, but that's just kind of the energy I get. My big thing here is that something was something was neglected, something was left to fall, and then that person or that thing was forgotten about, and it seems like we need some sort of vindication or validation for the thing that happened. Um, because when it happened, you or the person you were dreaming about was in a very vulnerable state, and I, I don't think there is a better symbol on earth for vulnerability than than babies. Yeah, Well, little sure. tiny Little tiny tots. That little time of tots in the rappers? Well, that was not a good. <laughs> that was, was that not... supposed to be a baby voice? No, that was supposed to be my ex. My southern accent. You don't fit in here in Tennessee. I don't. I, I belong to the corn. <laughs> I belong to the corn. <laughs> child of the corn. I'm. Yes. Are you a big lump with knobs? It's corn! <laughs> a big lump with knobs. Okay. It has juice. Yeah. <laughs> we went there. And even saying that, we'd be in trouble. Well, as we all know, this is the part of the podcast where Gabe hooks me up to an amp and I really sing. It's corn! A big lump of knobs, it has a juice. Do it. No. It has a juice. (laughs) I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. Don't sing the whole thing. It's corn! I can tell you all about it. I retain editing power. I mean, look at this thing! I tried it with butter and everything. Read the tarot. Let's read them. Read them, please. We're going to get like nine one-star reviews. Um, She's saying about corn. One-star me. I did. <laughs> Don't tear them. Um, They'll do it. Um, 
the collective reading for this coming week is the Eight of Swords. I think this is, for me, this is fairly um, literal here in regards to when I teach this card, it can be us talking about like things that we're keeping ourselves away from or um, not not looking at certain things, either not ready to deal with it or you're keeping your peace in a certain way. Um, but I think that this is directly tying into what we talk about always at the top of the podcast, which is paying attention to the things happening in the world, because even if they're not directly affecting you on a collective scale, they are affecting you. And I think just kind of paying attention to the news and not being afraid to have those conversations with people that are around you, the conversations about, hey, did you hear about what's happening in Iran? And if they don't know about the history of it. It's super easy to send a TikTok, whether or not they watch it or whether or not they interact with that information you're sharing. You can't control that, but you can control what you're trying to communicate um, and how you're communicating it. I also think that on even a more micro scale, this is a card of deciding whether or not kind of like choosing your battles in certain ways. Like, are you keeping your peace in this situation? Like, is this the time to open your mouth or do you need to take the blindfold off and kind of directly confront something? Take the time to consider those things and try very hard to not neglect handling something specifically based off of it seems easier not to or apathy because it's just too hard to pay attention to the news. I think that when we let ourselves get comfortable, we let ourselves get negligent. Gabe? Yeah, I I also feel this card in in the astrology. Don't mean to rain in here, um, but... High fives to everybody for Mercury going direct soon and no longer being retrograde tomorrow, actually. So that's one of those things where the blindfold could actually be lifted. You know, I, I just have a few people at work that I talk to, and whenever something happens, we just kind of all seem to make time for it in our day to talk about it, even for just, just mentioning it to each other is a, you know, a good way to just kind of empathize for a second. And then we're just all aware, and we might not do our day any differently, but at least we're aware, and I think that that's important to tap in. Hell yeah. All right. So. Do you want to go lamb up some cults? Cult up some lambs? Let's do it. She's talking about a video game, by the way. We already talked get... about this video game well, hopefully on the they're... podcast. <laughs> they know. It's very cute. It's adorable. You can sacrifice your people and eat them. Yeah, you can ascend them. I accidentally ascended a person earlier. I didn't realize I was killing them. We should sign off. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> oh, if you like this podcast, rate, subscribe, and review. It means the world to us, um, to me. But if we get to 200 reviews, when we get to 200, I'm going to pie Gabe in the face because he literally beat me in the face with a half-frozen pie. In the video on my Instagram, you see me kicking. It's because he was actually like suffocating me with half-frozen key lime pie. I want my revenge. I'd do it again. I know you would, but I want to do it. So thank you so much. We love you and appreciate you, Gabe. I w- let's bye-bye. Bye.